slide, if you could go just advance me one there. Okay. Some of you saw this picture because I posted it on Facebook, uh, I don't know, a couple days ago. Anyone recognize where this picture was taken? Okay, right, yes, right in this room. I don't know when it was taken. Uh, it was taken before this side room was built, because if you look, there's just a wall there. So um, that is what was called Wissanoming Gospel Tabernacle. And the guy that's right in the middle, sitting in the middle of the aisle, causing the fire hazard, see him there? Smack dab in the middle. That was Walter Erb. He was the pastor of the church. Uh, they apparently liked him so much they named the church after him when he died. Uh, but that was the church that met in this building. Now, I don't know when that picture was taken, but I know that this side room was built in the 1950s. So it would have been built before, uh, that picture would have been taken before the 1950s. Look how full that, that room is. It's crazy how full that room is. I don't know how many people that is. From what I understand, at one point, at the height of Wissanoming Gospel Tabernacle's life, over 300 people attended, which you can't fit 300 people in here. The most we've ever fit in this room is 150, and that was packed. We were using every chair, sitting over there. People were standing in the back. So 300 people, my assumption is that they had a couple services going on a Sunday. So that's Wissanoming Gospel Tabernacle. Um, I have a, a little bit of a dream to, to get us back to that point at some point. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm going to just uh, state the, the obvious. That's a pretty homogenous group right there, right? It's all white people. Um, you know, I guess that's how Wissanoming was back then, but that's not how it is right now. I would love to see, first, we'll take the picture in color. We'll take the picture in color. Uh, and I would like to see a, something like that that represents Wissanoming 2015, 2016, and that many people that are gathering to worship Jesus. Now, that's just a little side dream of mine. I don't really want to push people for that because pushing people to take a picture is ridiculous, and that's why little kids cry on picture day. But uh, that is the background, some of the background of this church. Now, that same group of people established the church and created a charter membership. This is a copy. We have the original from 1931 hanging in the office. Uh, Chico gave it to me. It's been a while since I've made a Chico joke. Uh, this is a copy of that. Okay, this is not the original, but this is the charter from when the Wissanoming Gospel Tabernacle started in 1931. And if you can see, on the bottom third here are the names of all the charter members. I don't know how many it is, but I bet it's probably something like 70 names uh, that are represented there. And one thing I really, sometimes I enjoy, because I like history, is I have met some of the ancestors or some of the descendants of these folks. And one of the craziest things we ever experienced was when a single mom with two boys walked in on a Sunday morning about three years ago, maybe four years ago, and she needed help from the food pantry because she just could not make ends meet. She needed help. And when she told me her last name, I thought, I've heard that last name before. And I went and looked, and she is the great-granddaughter of one of the founding members of this church. And I thought, that is awesome. 
You know, I, I bet what, that when that couple, when that, uh, you know, 85 years ago started a church in Wissanoming, they did not think that their great, great grandkids would need a little help and would be able to go to that church to get that help. And that's something to consider that what you do today, I mean, is going to affect a couple generations possibly. Now, the reason I share that picture and the reason I share that, that this uh, copy of the charter membership of Wisnoming Gospel Tabernacle, the reason I share that is because in Nehemiah 10, they kind of do something similar. They don't take a picture, obviously, there's no cameras back then, but they have a group of people, or actually several groups of people, sign a covenant with God. And we're going to read, it's only two slides, uh, three slides today. It's not very long. I'll read it for you. But it is the list of the names of people who signed a covenant with God and a covenant with one another. So it's, it's not exactly the same thing, but it's pretty close. Now, before I show you that slide, uh, you would have heard last week from Nehemiah chapter 9 that the leaders of Israel recounted Israel's entire history with God. In Nehemiah 9, the leaders of Israel go back, the priests in particular, and they start with creation, how, how God created Adam and Eve, and they start with creation, and then they go to Abraham, and then uh, Moses and the, and the slavery in Egypt, and then getting out of slavery and wandering through the wilderness, and then it goes through some of the kings, and then it goes through the entire history of Israel up until the day of Nehemiah. He reviews the whole history of their, of their nation, of their people, of their history with God. Now, I'm not going to do the history part today, but I am going to do that in about five weeks. On October 4th, it'll be True Vine's sixth anniversary. This church is only six years old. And on October 4th, it'll be our sixth anniversary, and I'll be preaching at both campuses, and I'm going to retell the history and the story of our church, which goes all the way back to 2008, in the year of our Lord. Uh, but I'm going to tell the story again. So if you are not familiar with the story of True Vine, I want to encourage you to be here on October 4th. Again, it's our anniversary. I'm going to tell that story so that I think it's important because it's done so many times in the, in the scriptures to re review stories of God's faithfulness. So we're going to do that on October 4th. I'm not going to do it today. Um, but it, Israel's leaders, they review the history with God, and then that history, and if you can put the slide, next slide here, this is the last verse of chapter 9. This is how they respond to hearing the story of God's faithfulness to the nation of Israel. They respond and they say this, Now because of all this, and I read that, I think, because of all this faithfulness, we are making an agreement in writing, and on the sealed documents are the names of our leaders, our Levites, and our priests. And so they hear the history of their nation with God. They actually draw up a, a covenant. They draw up a covenant, which to them would have been a legal document, a religious document, a family document. They didn't really separate those things. It was all one to them. And they asked several groups of people to sign that document. They didn't have everybody in town sign it because there's too many people and they wouldn't have had room, but they had the leaders of the community sign it. And if you go to the next slide, this is where they begin to list. This is 
27 verses, but it's actually only two more slides, so it's not that bad, all right? So just bear with me. I want to try to pronounce all these names correctly. I've been practicing this all week, but I have no idea if, if I can shine in the moment. All right, now on the sealed document were the names of Nehemiah the governor, the son of Hakaliah and Zedekiah, Sariah, Azariah, Jeremiah, Peshur, Amariah, Malchijah, Hattush, Shebaniah, Maluk, Haram, Merimoth, Obadiah, Daniel, Ginnathon, Baruch, Meshulam, Abijay, Majamin, Maziah, Bilgai, Shemaiah, and Shemaiah. These were the priests. So real quick, let me pause. These were the priests is, replying, is referring back to the list I just read. Okay, so that list of names I just read, those were the priests. You got it? There will be a test on this. Picking up in verse 9. And then the Levites, so now we're listing the Levites, Jeshua, the son of Azaniah, Benui of the sons of Henadad, Cadmiel, also their brothers, Shebaniah, Hodiah, Kalida, Peliah, Hanan, Micah, Rehob, Hashabiah, Zakur, Sherebiah, Shebaniah, Hodiah, Banai, Beninu, the leaders of the people. So now we've done the priests and the Levites, and now we're getting into the leaders of the people. Parash, Pahath Moab, Elam, Zatu, Benai, Bunny, she's from the block, Asgad, Babay, Adonijah, Bigvay, Aden, Ader, Hezekiah, Azur, Hodiah, Hashem, Bezai, Haref, Anathoth, Nebai, Magpiash, Meshulam, Hazir, Meshhezabel, Zadok, Jadua, Palatiah, Hanan, Aniah, Hoshea, Hananiah, Hashab, Helohesh, Pilhah, Shobek, Reham, Hashhabanah, Messiah, Ahiah, Hanan, Anan, Maluk, Haram, and Banah. I feel like I read some of those multiple times. Did I? I just really zoned out uh, halfway through. Okay. That is the shortest 27 verses I've ever read. Look at verse 27. It's really just three words, right? Just three names. If you ever want to know, how do I start speaking in tongues? Read this as fast as you can. You'll stumble into it. All right. So this is the list of the names that sign the document. Okay, kind of like if you think back to the Declaration of Appendance of... Uh, Appendence, Declaration of Independence that the United States, uh, well, that, that our founding fathers signed. Not everybody signed that. Not every citizen or not everybody on every farm in, in the colony signed that. It was the leaders that signed it. Do you understand? So this is, there are three specific groups here that signed this document. So I want to clarify, this is not everybody signing it. It's three specific groups that are signing it. Go to the next slide for me, Kervin. This is the last slide. These are the three groups that sign this document. This is very simple. This is not complicated. It's going to be easy to understand. Three groups of people that sign the documents. The first is the, that was the leaders. Well, actually, I don't know that they were the first, but the first one that I'm going to talk about were the leaders. Did you notice that it, it mentioned the leaders of the people? Right? There's only like seven, verse, seven words in this passage that were not names. Pretty much. The leaders of the people signed the document. So 
The leaders of the people were not the same thing as the priests, and they were not the same as the Levites, and the Levites and the priests were not the same. There are three distinct groups that are represented in this list. So I want to break down for you today the distinctions between these groups, okay? This is where we're going. We're going to talk about what these three groups meant to the, to the community. The leaders of the people. It mentions by name Nehemiah. Nehemiah was the governor. He oversaw all of uh, Jerusalem. The Hebrew word there that's used for leader also means the rulers, and I like this word, the chiefs. I like, I like it. I like to call people chief sometimes or boss. Um, so these would be the people that were the rulers or the chiefs. Now, when you hear the word chief, don't think just Native American. These would be heads of household. These would be people that served in civil leadership uh, in, in Israel. These leaders were different from Levites and different from priests. The leaders were responsible for moving the community forward. Okay, it was their job to move the community forward. The leaders had to determine what direction is God taking us. What is God's will for us as a community, and how do we put practical steps in place to accomplish that? They would have been heads of households. They would have, some of them might have been elected officials. Some would have been appointed. Uh, but these leaders bore a heavy burden. And I want to you know, remind you right now that all leaders bear heavy burdens. Whether you're a leader at home in your community, at a, at a workplace, in a church, leadership really is about bearing heavy burdens. And if the word burden makes you prickle up, then you may not be prepared for leadership yet because that's about the only thing you're signing up for is the, the responsibility to bear burdens because much of leadership is removing burdens from other people. Uh, if leadership is appealing to you because you, it gives you the opportunity to shine, that's not the kind of leadership that God calls people into. Leadership truly is about doing hard things, making changes, implementing changes, and I want to explain a little bit about that. So the leaders of Israel, their job was to, to lead the people forward. They had vision. They had to have vision. Without vision, it says in Proverbs, people perish or cast off restraint. This is our vision statement here on our wall. We believe that God's vision for us is to be a missional, prophetic, diverse, and multiplying congregation. We want to move forward in this. Now, we have in our church, I think, a similar category. We have leaders. In particular, I'm thinking of our governing board. All right. Our governing board consists of myself, Luis, who I might add, Luis is downstairs working with your kids right now. You need to buy him some ice cream or something or let him take a nap. He spends all day with his own kids. Well, I don't know if he spends all day. Melissa spends all day with, sorry, Melissa. But he's got two twins at home, and now on a Sunday morning, he's down with your beautiful children. Okay, so myself and Luis... Curvin in the back there at the sound booth. 
Uh, Angela Massey is our treasurer. Shay Akanaso is an elder. And Kate Shivers is our member at large. Kate and Shay attend the Tyson Ave campus. Scott Newcomer has served on our governing board in the past. Cozy isn't here right now, but Cozy's been on our governing board in the past. You need to know that those folks, myself included, that function of leadership is essentially about making hard decisions all the time. You know, if you don't open yourself up to criticism until you really become a leader. And uh, you have to navigate hard decisions, make hard calls. And that's what these folks in, uh, in Israel were doing, these leaders. And so I'm saying that because I want you to know what leadership really entails. You know, oftentimes people ask me, how, how does the governing board serve? I get, you know, we get how the children's ministry serves. They're down there taking care of children. Those that clean the building, that's an obvious area of service. That's, it's, I love the people that clean the building. Uh, but those are obvious areas of service. How does the governing board serve? The governing board serves by making hard decisions that no one else wants to make. They serve by putting things, you know, have you ever had to put a budget together for a large group of people? I mean, most people don't even have budgets for their household. Try putting a budget together for a church that has almost 200 people in it. Quarter million dollar budget. That's hard. That takes work. And then the, making those hard decisions. So the leaders, the leaders sign that. So I would think our governing board, our campus advisory teams. Scott, is, are you on our campus advisory team here? And I believe Jared as well with Angela, Luis, and Curvin. Uh, consist of the campus advisory team here. We try to give the advisory team a little more slack. We don't ask them about things like budgets and, you know, how long we should hold someone under when we baptize them. We just, they get easier questions, I think. So first group to sign is the leaders. Second, or the other, the next group is the priests. Now there's a difference between the priests and the Levites. Okay, the Levites were the uh, Levitical tribe. It was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. They're the descendants of Levi. And all priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests. Okay, think through that there. All priests were Levites. So all the priests came from that tribe, but not everybody in that tribe was a Levite, uh, uh, was a priest, sorry. So the priests, now the, the role of the priest was essentially to be a mediator between God and man. Okay, Now, today we would say that Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man. But in the Old Testament, the priests were, were a, a symbol or a metaphor to prepare us for the coming of Jesus. They, they stood in between God and man. So if man wanted to make a sacrifice to God, they had to come bring their sacrifice and actually give it to the priest. The priest would make the sacrifice. And if God wanted to speak to man... Oftentimes, God would speak to the priest and the priest would deliver that to man. And there always was this go-between between God and man and the priest served in that role. Now Jesus serves in that role. But the priests, their, their primary role and what distinguishes them from, the, from the, just the regular Levites, the priest's job was to minister to the people. In a lot of ways, the priest would function the way a pastor would today. 
the priests would care for the people. They would receive the people's offerings. And when they received the people's offerings, they would sometimes they would smear blood right on the people just to say, you're forgiven. You know, they would, we call that ministering forgiveness to people. You know, it's the same, you know, if, you're, if, if you attend a Roman Catholic church and you attend confession, one of the priest's responsibilities is not just to listen to your confession and not just to, to assign a penance, but also to assure you that you've been forgiven. And so that would have been one of the jobs of the priest, to assure the people that because of the sacrifice they've made, they have been forgiven. Do you understand that? They were, doing, they were playing a very important role in the community, assuring people of God's forgiveness. Luis kind of did that uh, today during the call to worship. Now, I think in our church, the people that fill the role of a priest are our elders, so myself, Luis, and Shay, our discipleship group leaders, because they're teaching people the Bible and, and a lot of times getting into the nitty-gritty of people's lives. And I think in a lot of cases, our staff, our staff minister to people. At least that's the goal, is for our staff to minister to people, to to essentially demonstrate God's love for the people of Truvine and Philadelphia. So I think our staff represents the priests. The third group that signed this document were the Levites. Now the Levites, like I said, all priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests. Uh, the Levites' job was to minister to God. So the priest would minister to people, the Levites ministered to God. So the Levite might actually be hard to get a hold of because he's always in the temple praying or making sacrifices or praying or playing music. The Levite's job was not to minister and serve the people. The Levite's job was to serve God on behalf of the people because you, know, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Not everybody in Israel could go spend 10 hours a day at the temple. So the Levite's job was to go spend all day at the temple on their behalf. They represented the community. There's a principle there of representation. Some people have to go work. Some people have to go take care of families. But the Levite's job was to represent the people before God and minister to the presence of God. The Levites, one of their responsibilities was to make sure that the flame in the tabernacle and in the temple was always burning. I mean, their job literally centered around this flame. And they didn't have like a gas pipe like we have the uh, eternal flame. Uh, is that that at John Kennedy's grave? There's an eternal flame. What's that? Grant's tomb. Are you, is that a joke? Are you trying to trick me? Okay. Ulysses says Grant's tomb. We have this eternal flame. Oh, Jared, you're a history guy. It's Grant's tomb. And there is a JFK one. All right. Well, now I'm confused. They were two different people, though. I know that. All right, there's this eternal flame. It's, it's, it's powered by gas. They did not have that in the days of the Israelites, okay? So they had this flame that they had to constantly be stoking, giving fuel, protecting. Keep in mind that at one point the flame was in a tent called the tabernacle. Keeping a flame going in a tent that would have been blown around by the breeze without catching the tent on fire would have been a little bit of a job. Their job centered around making sure this flame is going 
all the time, 24-7. They didn't, want, they didn't relight it every day. They kept it going at all times. And so they didn't have the opportunity to go sleep for eight hours unless they were on a rotating shift. They had to make sure that that flame was going the whole time to minister to the presence of God. So they didn't really have time to go counsel people, uh, pat people on the back or listen to their confessions because they were making sure that this flame stayed lit for God. Do you understand the difference there between a priest and a Levite? Okay. Well, two of you got it. That's a good start. I'll just do this sermon again sometime. So the difference between a priest and a Levite, and then also there's the leader. So let me just review this really quickly before I, I ask you this question. The leaders were essentially the rulers of the chiefs. They were the ones that decided which direction does the, does the community have to go, and let's move us in that direction. They would have often been heads of households, civil leaders, things like that. The priest's job was to minister to the people. So functioning kind of like our staff or our pastors and elders, caring for the people, loving the people, representing uh, God to the people. And then the Levite's job was to minister to God, not necessarily the people, and represent the people to God. So the priests represent God to the people. The Levites represent the people to God. They had three totally different responsibilities. Do you get that? I really need you to get that. Do I need to review it one more time? I'm willing to. Any questions? All right. Then I have a question for you. Of these three groups up here, which one are you? Which one of those three resonates with you the strongest? I think some of you might say all three. And that's great, actually. If that's the case, that's great. But which one is the most connected to you? Which one resonates with you the most? See, when I, okay, so I mentioned when I think of the leaders in our church, I think of folks like our governing board and advisory teams. When I think of our priests, I think of people like staff and discipleship group leaders. When I think of Levites, I think of those who show up uh, Saturday night and Sunday morning here to pray because they're just praying and worshiping. They're not actually getting work done. You know, like Saturday night, I think our Levites are the ones that come on Saturday night and we sing in a third floor attic that was 86 degrees last night, at night. And then on Sunday mornings at 9.30, the people that show up and come back here and pray in this like secret attic room that we have, and they spend 30 minutes on a Sunday praying. I think of those folks as the Levites, those who, I mean, in particular, I think of like a Gary Perez and Allie and Anna Wakeman, who most of you will know some of them, who they just pray and worship. And sometimes when people just pray and worship, it's like, well, what do they do? What do they do? What do they do? They're praying and worshiping. That is what they do. And that is a Levitical calling. So which one of those three relate to you the strongest? Are you a leader? Are you a priest? Or are you a Levite? Some of you may feel that you're a little bit of all three, but which one relates the most? And if you're not sure about any of the three, we need to figure that out. 
We need to figure out where you fit and get you plugged in. Because there is no real category for pew filler or seat holder downer. There's no category for that. You don't get to pick which, ca- which category you like. You don't get to pick which group you belong to. I'm asking you, which one do you naturally kind of flow in? Which one of those excites you and stirs up your passions? So I would say for me, personally, even though I like all three, and I think it, depending on the day, I could be any of the three, for me, leader is the one that's strongest. And I do like, I like prayer and worship, but I would say that's not my strongest. I like listening to people's problems. Just kidding. No, I don't. That's how I know I'm not a priest. But, but I really resonate with the leadership aspect of this. So let me ask some of you if, you, if you're willing and you have the guts, which one of those three really resonates with you? You can just kind of shout it out. Eric, go ahead. Leader. All right. Who else? Anyone else? Priest, Loretta. Priest, uh, Val. Anyone else? Priest, Scott? Priest? A lot of priests. Okay. Well, that's good because I don't like that one, so I, you can do that. What? Leader. Mike said leader. Leader. Okay. Anyone else? Has anyone said Levite yet? Okay. I'm not lying. I expected that coming in. I'm going to say this as pastorally as I can. We need some Levites here. We need some people who just want to pray and worship for extended periods of time, who value intercession. Uh, I came in today thinking, I don't know that we'll get one person that resonates with Levite. But we need those people. What I, what I bet, I'm willing to put money on, is that we have some who don't know it yet. Who either haven't been given the opportunity or haven't tried it out but need to try it out because we need all three of these. Because again, remember, the Levite's job was to represent the people to God, the representatives. Is there anyone that Levite even kind of just a little bit tickled your interest? Okay, Bridgie in the back, Eric, Mike, Loretta, anyone else that I miss? May, quiet little May over there. I know how quiet wives are, they're not quiet publicly quiet. All right, yeah. (laughs) So, those of you that that just even felt the slightest twinge of Levite, I want to ask you to consider a few things. Engaging in worship. So, I know May's already on the worship team. Um, You know, find a way to worship and find a way to pray. It might mean joining us on Saturday nights at 7. It might mean, in particular, I'm really going to push this, 9.30 every Sunday we meet here. It's, it's right here. It's right under your noses. It's, at, it's literally behind the screen. You have to climb a ladder. I don't have a problem with you climbing ladders, personally. Yes, it's in the attic. 
up behind the stage. It is beautifully decorated. There's no air conditioning. You have to climb a ladder. I don't know what else to say other than get over it. You have it so easy in American church. Climb a ladder and sweat a little. But I want I, if to, you, if you feel like that Levite thing resonates with you, just even if it's a little bit, we have to develop the Levitical uh, stream here. We have to develop that because we need it. So again, 9.30 every Sunday back there. Um, we do not take attendance, so I won't know if you made it or not. Okay, so we have our leaders. We have our priests. We have our Levites. I want to ask, uh, Courtney, do you want to come up? And uh, Courtney's going to lead us in a closing song. As we sing this song, we're going to go, you know, you might intellectually go through a process where you are reviewing, like Israel did, their history with God, and you're reminded of God's faithfulness and how good he has been and how he's always showed up when you need it. And how he has never left us on our own. And I'm asking you to respond by stepping into one of these three more aggressively. So if you said leader, I'm going to ask you to lead more aggressively. If you said priest, I'm going to ask you to be more aggressive priest. And for those who indicated even the smallest inkling of Levite, to, to be more aggressive with that. And to move forward and find ways to flow in that function. So Lord, uh, we just recognize that Israel had all three of these groups present and they needed all three groups to function. So Lord, I pray for our leaders that you would give them a rock solid foundation on you as they bear the burden of leadership. I pray for the priests, Jesus, that you would give them compassion and mercy, Lord, to minister to those that, that you have given us, that you've assigned to us, to those that are broken and need to know the forgiveness of the Father. Would you give them uh, compassion and mercy? And Lord, for our Levites in training, would you give them boldness and courage, Lord? I pray that as they spend extended times in worship and prayer with you, that they would encounter your presence and that they would represent us as a church before you, God. And I ask that, Jesus, in your name. You guys can stand up if you would like.